The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hello and welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast with your host, metaphysician, Reiki master, and hypnotherapist, Christy Clemens Hoffman. Each week, we will discover teachings, tips, and tools to radiate your best life ever with practitioners, authors, and luminaries to help you on your path. Wellness, joy, peace, abundance. What do you want to radiate? Hello, and welcome back to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. Today, we radiate healing and understanding with Rob Gutro, who's the author of many different paranormal and metaphysical type of books. He is a paranormal investigator and medium, also a scientist, so can hopefully explain some of the paranormal things that we're encountering and talking about. Thank you so much for joining me today, Rob. And I didn't even, I forgot to ask you, where are you from? Well, I'm in Maryland right now, but I'm moving to New England soon. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. It's all good. I'm from everywhere. From everywhere. And I love you've got your your banner wall behind you of all of the different things that you've written. My goodness. How long have you been doing this? Up since about 2009 was my first book. It was your first book, but you started before then talking to animals and dead people. I <laughs> It all really began when I was a teenager. And like most kids or some kids, um, I had the ability to communicate or see people who passed away. And my initiation, if you will, was with my grandfather who appeared to me about six or seven months after he died. And he scared the daylights out of me. Yeah. Yeah. So you were aware then that he had died. So it wasn't one of these cases where you didn't know him very well. He was out of town. Yeah. No, as a matter of fact, I went to his wake. That was the very first wake I ever went to. I was 13 years old. And so I knew, you know, I, I knew he had gone. When he appeared to me, it was quite shocking because I never really had a very close relationship with him. But what happened was that I later learned in life when I was like 40 from my mother that he had an ability to also communicate or see people who passed. And my mother had it. And my mother never told me either until I was like 40, but she was afraid to use it. Many people are. Yeah. So I tried to turn a negative into a positive, and it really took effect in 2005. I didn't really pay attention to the ability throughout most of my life. And then in 2005, when a puppy of mine was killed by a car, when his leash opened, he blew the doors off my abilities, and he communicated, and he taught me how pets actually communicate from the other side. So That's interesting. I'm, I'm also a pet communicator. So what did you learn from this puppy experience? What was your experience with that? Gosh, he, right from the get-go, the day that he was killed by the car, he started moving things around. I would later see visible signs of him. He had help from a, a human spirit on the other side to help to make me come into a place, my home, and play a piece of music that was very appropriate. It was a song called The Dance by Garth Brooks. And it's about a man who has the privilege of loving someone very deeply for a very short time. And it was very appropriate because Buzz was only seven months when he passed. Oh. And that day, that very day, 
I had, after we brought his, uh, myself, my neighbors brought his body back to my house to bring him to the vet for cremation. I walked into the house and the radio was not on because I was the only one there. And I didn't have the radio on, but the radio was on when I came back and that song was playing. And I thought, that cannot be a coincidence. So I've learned that there's no such thing as a coincidence when it comes to spirit. There is no such thing as a coincidence. And it's very easy for them to manipulate electronics from the other side. Yeah, yeah, I've I've learned that too. So there are many ways that in my four pets in the afterlife books, I convey a lot of ways that pets will communicate. Right, absolutely. So yeah, you've written several books on pets in the afterlife, right? So what sets these books apart from maybe some other books about animal communication? Well, there are several things. First of all, because you mentioned I'm a scientist and I'm a meteorologist in my day job. And because of that, it's very important for me to get proof that what I'm getting as a medium in my weekend job is actually true. I have also come up with some scientific explanations about what happens or why, why things happen, how we transition from the physical life to the afterlife. Yes. Okay. This is good stuff. So what what have you found? So I've learned that everything is really based on energy. And I think we've heard that before from some people. The law in science called the law of conservation of energy explains that energy can't be destroyed. It can only be transformed. So if you think about us as living people, we have a lot of energy within us. We have cells that are splitting. We have thoughts that are really a little electrical impulses of energy that can be measured scientifically. And we have memories and personality and things that are stored in our brain. And those memories, personality that we have, and the knowledge of this life combines with the energies. And then we make a choice. I call that, that's what I call a soul, if you will. And every living thing has a soul. So the choice we make when we die, when the physical body is dead, is that we choose to stay here earthbound at a fixed location of our choosing. And that's what I call a ghost. Or we cross over. And we go into the light or the other side or heaven. And that's what I call a spirit. So there's a distinction between the two and its location. Interesting. Okay. Very interesting. I hadn't heard it broken down quite that way, but that makes a lot of sense. Now, something I've noticed about animal spirits in my work is that they also have this choice. They can choose to go back to what I call the soul soup, where there's like an oversoul of all of the animals, all of the animal energy, where they can remain differentiated. Mm-hmm. their evolution. So have you found that as well? Well, most of the ones that I communicate with directly have remained as individual animals. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And that's when we could usually communicate with them. Although I've communicated with wild animals as well. well. That's a different talent that I don't have. I can only communicate with domesticated animals because they understand our language, our habits, our personalities. They understand things in our environment. And it's much easier for them to convey those things to me exactly. that I can convey them to the pet parent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right. And then, you know, the ones who are, well, I call them, I call it remaining differentiated. The, the pets are also on an evolution of soul growth too, I found. Mm-hmm. It can evolve and change and, you know, go into different life forms. It's fascinating stuff. And so do you do this pet communication for people, for pet parents? I do. I do uh, readings for pet parents, but because mm-hmm. I am booked out over a year from now, I have to stop taking appointments right now. Sure. Right. Uh, you know, I'm the kind of guy that when I have a list of things to do, I get, I get anxious. <laughs> and if I can't get to that list, it makes me crazy. And when you have a list a year out. <laughs> yeah. There's no way to relax. <laughs> There's no, well, that's job security right there. Well, well, yeah, well, considering it's a hobby and I really don't, you know, it doesn't sustain me by any means. That's why I work full time as a scientist. <laughs> right, right. Two very different worlds, but not really. No, it all comes together. And one of the things in science that I have come up with to explain how ghosts and spirits both utilize a tactile feeling is the science of energy. So have you encountered feelings of a pet or person who passed by touch? Oh, yeah. Or or temperature? Oh, yes. Okay. So what I've concluded, what I've come up with, rather, is that when people feel a cold spot, 
what they're feeling and they're sensing somebody is there. The reason they're feeling that is because ghosts and spirits use energy to get strong enough to give us a message or to let us know they're there. Mm -hmm. And the reason for a cold spot is because they are drawing energy from the movement of air molecules. Fast moving molecules of air are warm air. When you draw that energy, you slow them down. Slower moving molecules of air are cooler air. That's why you have a cold spot wherever there's a ghost, a nursebound ghost, or a spirit who's shown up. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They are pulling that, drawing that energy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that scientific explanation. It's very much just like weather. Well, that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> How so? Well, I've been forecasting weather for a long, long time. So, oh, yes. And I don't forecast anymore. I'm kind of a behind the scenes guy. But weather also plays into the activity or the amount of activity, paranormal things. So, for instance, if there are thunderstorms in an area and you're going into a house that has a reputation of being haunted, thunderstorms, lightning, has the temperature of hotter than the surface of the sun. It's about 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Wow. So, of course, as you go out from the surface of the sun, it becomes hotter. But the surface of the sun is less than 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit. So think of how much energy is in that bolt of lightning. And when it's around something that is an entity, an earthbound entity of a ghost, they can absorb that energy and they can get strong enough to communicate with you. Yeah, 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 absolutely. That electromagnetic charge. Yeah, that, that is very interesting. And that makes me wonder if older houses have more activity because the wiring in those houses. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's stable. That's true. That is true because the wiring is less protected in older houses. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that's why paranormal investigators use a two meter, which measures electromagnetic fields as they go through a house to try and detect whether or not there is a ghost. Because a ghost is energy combined with memories, personality, and knowledge. And, and as a paranormal investigator too, I don't, I'm not one of the tech guys. I just use my head, if you will. Right. But the tech guys, they will investigate different areas of a house and they can tell where there is wiring that is not insulated. Okay. And we always try to debunk hauntings first. And yeah. if we can't, then we conclude otherwise. But it can be that there is uninsulated wiring and paranormal activity too. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where I think the mediums come in. Mm -hmm. I've gone on so many investigations in the last 14 years and some places are not haunted, if you will, but other places have a lot of activity. We just did a paranormal investigation two weeks ago where we found an earthbound male ghost who was associated with a property that used to stand on the same lot that a new hole stands on, but he came from the old property. Right. And there was another ghost not related to this man who was a patient in an institution who latched on and became an, attached herself to the one of the homeowners who was a worked in the medical profession because the ghost thought she could help. There were two ghosts that we had to deal with in one house and they didn't know each other. And that was crazy. Right, because it, my house is, was built in 1920 and is very haunted. And okay. yeah, there can be from many different eras and, you know, before 1920, the house was part of farmland where there was a farmhouse and, you know, so there can be layers and layers mm -hmm. of the activity, right? So you're an avid investigator as well. That is fascinating. Yeah. I kind of cover all the bases, I think. Uh, yeah. You're a one-stop shop. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I try my best to help people. I think the one thing that we really want to do is we want to cross ghosts over and we want to bring them peace and bring them to the other side. Yes. And plus, we also want to bring the homeowners some peace because it's always unsettling to live with a ghost. Even if a ghost has a good personality, they still emanate negative emotional energy and that can affect living people in maybe an adverse way. I mean, people, even people who are really have positive emotions they can still have more down days or they can be more irritable. And that's what we found on some of these investigations. Mm, yeah, that certainly can be. That is true. That is true. Especially um, on Mondays. Right. <laughs> um, that is fascinating. So are you with a paranormal investigation outfit? 
I am. It's called the Inspired Ghost Tracking Team. And one of my books in the Ghosts and Spirits series is called Case Files and Inspired Ghost Tracking. And because I also like to write, they make me write all the reports. So those reports have become the basis for this first book. And it's filled with really interesting things from haunted Maryland mansion to a, a walk in the federal hill section of Baltimore, which where I encountered like six different ghosts, which were all proven historically by newspaper records. Not crazy. Great. There are also cases where we encountered poltergeist activity, which we found is to be uh, energy that simulates a ghost, but it is emotional energy created by a living person. And it's typically been caused by teenage girls and boys. Mm -hmm. Once in, in one particular case, when we were able to discern that, we recommended that one of the teenage girls in this family, or two teenage girls, get some therapy. And after the girl got therapy, guys' activity stopped. Yeah, right. She learned to manage and control her own energy. She did. Yep. Yeah. It's amazing that we can do that as living people and not be aware of it. <laughs> right. Absolutely. I call it energetic hygiene, where we just need to be responsible for our emotions and responsible for the energy that we're putting out and the energy that we're sending out. So I love that. That's a what a great term. <laughs> and we can all affect our, our energetic hygiene. Yeah. So that's fascinating. I tell you, I could talk about this all day. And now you've got a series of books too about haunted locations. Now, is that confusing the the paranormal investigation? Because I'm thinking specifically of the birdcage. Yeah, that's a different series. So that's Ghost yeah. on the Medium's Vacation. So yeah, you're spot on with that. What inspired me to do this is, and I recently categorized these books because there's now 10 and there's a theme running through each of them. So when I went on vacation in England back in 2012, I always carry a notebook with me because I like to write everything down. And then I have a personal blog that I like to share my travels and all kinds of things with people that, you know, friends that I, I know and so forth. So I wrote it down and I didn't expect it to become a book. Certainly didn't expect okay. to be Certainly, I didn't expect to meet like 40 dead people in England, but I did. So as I blogged about my travels, I realized, oh my gosh, you know, this is a fascinating thing for people who want to visit England. And I confirmed all of these ghosts that were in England, which was crazy. Yeah. And then when I went on vacation in other places, the Birdcage Theater was one of them in Tombstone, Arizona. I went on a ghost tour there one night in 2019 with a friend who didn't have any paranormal experiences, didn't know what to think of paranormal things. He saw two of them and took a picture of one of them. And I met 11 ghosts that night. And all of them were also confirmed by the people that run the Birdcage Theater. Um, have you been there? No, I've not. Oh, gosh, you need to go. I suppose so. And that's in Tombstone, Arizona? It is. Oh, that sounds fascinating. I just know the Birdcage, the movie, the French film. That was later redone in America. With Robin Williams? With Robin Williams, yeah. Yeah, it was a fun movie. <laughs> it, was, it was a great French film, too. So, but no, I didn't realize that there would be a birdcage theater in Tombstone, Arizona. That sounds wonderful. Now, here in Kansas City, where I am, mm -hmm. we've got a lot of haunted locations. The Savoy Hotel is very haunted. The Warnell House Museum is very haunted. The Shawnee Indian Mission, I used to be on the board there. I've been to paranormal investigations there. It's very, very haunted. And again, one of these situations where many go through many different time periods at the Shawnee. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right. That's really, yeah, that's the fascinating thing is that when you go to some of these places, like England, different centuries, the Birdcage Theater, though, was unique because the Birdcage Theater was only open from December 4th, 1881 to 1889, when the silver mines that kept the town going, silver mines were the industry, they flooded. So basically the industry shut down. So mm -hmm. the town shut down. It, it became pretty much almost a ghost town till the 1930s. There were about 100 people living there between 1889 and 1934. And then one of the deputies that was there at the time that Wyatt and Doc Holliday and the shootout at the OK Corral happened, wrote a book. That started bringing tourists in. So the town started reawakening. People developed a fascination for it. But the birdcage was the only, really, really the biggest entertainment venue. And because it's concrete, it didn't burn during the two fires in Tombstone. 
So it was a gambling den. It was a saloon. It was a house of prostitution. And it was a, a theater for live performances. So there's a lot of energy in it. Oh, that's fascinating. So the ghosts of the tomb of the Birdcage Theater, were they all from that era? They were all from the 1880s. Yes. Oh, and it turns out that there were also 26 murders that happened in the Birdcage in that span of eight years. It was the old West. I mean, there were no, you know, there were no gun right. laws and everybody had a gun and everybody killed anybody they wanted to. And right. so yeah, a lot of lawlessness. When you go there, you can see 140 bullet holes in the ceilings and the floors and the walls. They're still there. What a history. Yeah, it's crazy. It's amazing. Well, I mean, theaters in general tend to be very haunted. Have you done any investigations in any other theaters? I did one in Pennsylvania. I think Chambersburg, there was a theater. And I ran into a male ghost who was an actor who stayed behind because he loved his profession. Craft. But uh, the people in the birdcage, they were different. What's interesting it, as a medium for me is that ghosts and even spirits will share pain of death with me to confirm their identities. And that also goes for animals. So a lot of people have written me and said, I don't know how my dog or cat passed away. Can you tell me? And I've been able to do that, which is to me is kind of crazy. But when I went to the birdcage theater, there was a couple of instances where I felt pain of death when a couple of these people were shot dead. One was shot in the throat, another one was shot in the chest, another was shot in the back. And yeah, and I was on the ghost tour and I was pushed against the wall by the impact of these bullets, these ghostly bullets, if you will. And the tour guide said, are you okay? What happened to you? And I said, oh, it's okay. Just, I'm a medium. You know, there's a, there's a guy that was just shot in the chest here. And I, I fell against the wall and onto a stair landing. And when she asked me what happened, I told her and I said, there was a guy that was cheating in cards here and he was shot in the chest right here. And she said, yes, there was a man shot in the, in the chest right there on the stair landing where you are. And we have documented proof. That's wonderful. Well, it's wonderful that you could document. So one other thing that I wanted to mention while I'm thinking about that is that in some of my books, I sketch out what the ghosts look like so that people can see them because I see them in my mind. And I, I used to lo love drawing superheroes as a kid. So that talent has come in handy with dead people. I'll bet. And so have you had that documented? Like that is a likeness of this ghost? In a couple it? of instances, yes. Ah. I go on investigations. I also do the same thing. That investigation I mentioned a, a little while ago about the man and the woman that were not associated with each other. I drew both of them and I showed them to all the investigators and the people that lived in the house and they all... And yes, this is what I have seen. These are the people. That is wonderful confirmation. That's amazing. It's kind of creepy, really, you know, but <laughs> but it's good, though. You know, visual confirmation is always No, I mean, it, and it does add to the scientific, you know, documentation that, no, this is real. This is actually happening. There's bleed through between dimensions. Energy absolutely goes on and is intelligent and conscious. And yeah, right. Now, I think this. That's really fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. So do you ever go any place where there's not spirits? Oh, I've been to many places where there are not. And that's been good. It's relaxing. It's hard to plan a vacation, though, at, around where they may or may not be. So we went to Ireland in 2015, and I ran into a number of dead people there. And I, you know, I wasn't expecting it. Um, I will tell you, though, and maybe you've experienced this, is that whenever I'm not feeling well, whenever I'm sick, it blocks out all of the messages oh, from others. Oh, yes, it does. Yeah, it makes you so focused in your body. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, well, in Ireland, you, know, you mentioned Ireland. That's another place where there's just rich, rich history. There were people on the land for, you know, ever since there was land. <laughs> right. We did take a, we were fortunate enough to take a trip to Italy as well, and I had impacted sinuses and infection, mm. and I got no, I got nothing the entire trip. Oh. It was extremely painful, and I was like, I'm going to be darned if I miss this vacation, so I went anyway. But there uh, were no dead people that I talked to that entire trip. Oh, so. is that funny? Yeah. Have you ever been to the crypts in Paris? Oh, that's on my list. It's actually beautiful. It's miles and miles and miles of bones florida ceiling and everyone asked well did you see spirits there i said i saw two people who were crypt workers the people who like designed some of these 
mm-hmm. patterns and had been overseeing it. But as far as people attached to their bones, they weren't hanging out there. Yeah, that's my experience too. And what I always like to tell people is that if we choose to be an earthbound ghost, which is not a good idea, we choose to go to a place that we are familiar with in life, like whether it's a house, whether it's a place of employment, whether it's your favorite park or something. And that's where people tend to hang out. Yeah. I have found that cemeteries are not haunted at all because we don't go there when we're alive, really. Right. The only exception is, is that if a loved one goes to a gravesite to pay tribute to someone they lost, their love is a positive emotional energy that acts as a beacon to their loved one in spirit who's crossed over. And their loved one in spirit may send some kind of a sign that they're there. I did read about a mother of a serviceman who was killed in his 20s. And when she went to his grave to visit, there was suddenly a swarm of dragonflies right over his grave and only his grave. And he liked dragonflies and she didn't see dragonflies around anybody else's grave. And she said, this can't be a coincidence. This has to be a message from my son. So that's an example of that. When you go to visit the remains of your loved one, wherever they are, they are watching, they feel it and they appreciate the respect that you give them. Yeah, that's that's a beautiful message with the dragonflies. You know, I'm very fortunate in that I do this work, this QHHT, Dolores Cannon had developed that method mm-hmm. and it's part past life progression and part, I mean, it's just pretty comprehensive, but I've seen many people go to past lives and then when they cross over in that lifetime, they'll stick around sometimes, they'll stay on the battlefield. There was one client, she was a girl in, in Ireland with the land and she wanted to stay with her sheep. There was a painter in Italy and he was hanging around his parents and finally he had to say, He just said, my mother is not able to cope. She knows I'm around. I can't stay around. And then decided to go to the other side. So it's just interesting to see it from different perspectives and different angles, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And we're all just trying to piece together what happens after we die. And uh, let us know for sure. Yeah. People say to me, so how does it really all work? And I said, well, you know, talk to me when I'm on the other side. But it's a mystery. It is a mystery, but we do. I will say that based on the science of energy, we do live on. And the readings that I've done have been crazy confirmations that there are things that nobody else would know. One of my latest books is Pets in the Afterlife 4, Messages from Spirit Cat. And one of my favorite stories in there is about this cat named Buddy. And Buddy was giving me all kinds of information, like how he passed and favorite things and so forth. He kept saying a word that I didn't understand. And that word was Mala, M-A-L-A. I didn't know what it meant. Uh-huh. So, you know, when I do my readings, I do them, I type them out. I don't speak to people because it's too distracting. Same. Many pet parents don't understand that. Yeah, it's just too distracting. <laughs> it is because they want to ask a million questions and I can't hear the pet. <laughs> same, yes. Okay. <laughs> so we're on the same page. Did you know that Radiate Wellness is more than just a podcast? That's right. We're also a comprehensive holistic wellness practice. Find out about our services, practitioners, and upcoming events at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. While you're there, visit our podcast page to read more about our great guests and even donate to the podcast. If you like our podcast, you can help in other ways as well, like Subscribe or follow us wherever you're listening right now. Tell a friend, a family member, or a coworker about the great content you find here. And if you wouldn't mind, please give us a thumbs up, a five-star rating, or a positive review. Sounds like a small thing, but it really helps. You might like to know about our Facebook communities while we're at it. We have a free community the Radiate Wellness Community on Facebook for news and great free content. Our subscribers group is Radiate U, as in the letter U, but also, well, you. There you'll find curated replays of past classes, guest interviews, and more. And now, back to our podcast and back to our guest. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. 
All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. So Buddy told me about this word, and, and I so I wrote the pet parent, and I said, uh, in addition to all this other stuff, here's a word that Buddy keeps repeating. I have no idea what it means. It doesn't even look like, it's not English, obviously. I don't know what it is. And it was M-A-L-A, mala. And I know Spanish, I know M-A-L, mal means bad. Right. But I didn't know what mala meant. So she wrote me back, and she said that she was astounded because Buddy was the only one that know, knew that word. And she said that every morning, Buddy would stay in her room and she would do this meditation called the Mala Meditation. Beads, right? And said, yeah. And she said, he is the only one in the world that knew that I did that meditation and what the name of it was. Crazy. That is fascinating. I, yeah, I did a reading one time for a woman who, it was Finnish, and her mother gave me this word in Finnish. So it's wonderful that when they can do that. And that's, talk about wicked confirmation. Yeah. Yeah, it was amazing. It was another reading I did for a, a woman who, whose dog passed. Now, I don't ever know where these people are from when they email me because I just get their first name or sometimes their personal last name and then their email and then the pictures of their dog or cat and, and any questions they have. So I never know where they are. This one woman who emailed me about her dog and the dog kept telling me how much he loves fish. And I thought, no, that must be a cat coming through. You know, I'm using my own my own world bias. And the dog said he loved eating fish and he had a fish toy. And I thought, okay, I'm going to write this, but this is crazy. And the woman wrote me back and she said she was from Norway. And she said, my dog really only ate fish and he had a fish toy that was his favorite. Oh. And I thought, oh my gosh, I never would have expected that. <laughs> oh my God. And what is the very first thing that you learn when you are learning how to open up to spirit? Trust with what you get. Yeah, that was a hard thing to do. And it's also a hard thing for me, too, not to put my experiences into right. somebody mm -hmm. else's reading. I have to, like, not tell them, you know, what I think it may be and just let it go. Just share it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I do my readings with I know a lot about pet behavior and training and things like that. And so I'll put that in a different section. Oh, good. That's perfect. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, but it's it is. It's hard to not put your own spin on it mm -hmm. to separate yep. it out. Now, have you had any like I can't really say formal training? Uh, there's no university I think that teaches this. But have you ever taken any lessons on how to open to spirit or communicate or do any of this? I really have not. I've worked with my friend Barb Mallon, who is a medium in North Virginia. She helped me trust myself. And my friend Reef Larkin, who's the Beantown medium up in Boston, she and I have talked a lot about concentrating and meditating and so forth. But the way that I realized that what I was onto something was that when, after my puppy buzz started coming through to me, I needed to test myself as a scientist. So fortunately, I have a very understanding spouse <laughs> and he has some ability too, but he doesn't use it. So I said, let's go to historic places and see what I get. And then we'll talk to the people that work there. And that's what we did. And the very first one we did was here in Maryland. I walked in and there was a little girl. She was about six years old. And she told me her name was Anna and she died there. And she wanted to show me her room, which was upstairs, which turned out to be her room. <laughs> it was still decorated as a kid's room, which was crazy. So then I went and talked to the historian and the historian said, are you writing a book or something? How do you know about Anna? And I said, no, 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 just curious. Then they told me that Anna was buried in the backyard and there's a tombstone in the backyard. And they said, you can go see it yourself. And that freaked me out. Why did that freak you out? Well, because that was when I was first trying to prove everything. 
And I was like, oh my gosh, this is for real. Yeah. So you mentioned your spouse also has some abilities and kind of curious, but what does the rest of your family think about the work that you do? Well, I have two brothers and at first they didn't really know about it. They didn't believe in it. But in 2008, my dad passed. And during the week of my dad's services, his wake and his funeral, my dad was around all the time. And I would talk to my spouse about him and he got it, but I wouldn't tell my brothers. It wasn't until the day of my dad's funeral that my dad helped me prove to my brothers and my mother that he was still very much there. And then they believed everything. So it's kind of a funny story. If you have a minute, I can. Absolutely. Okay. So it's also been my first book, Ghosts and Spirits Explained. So my dad loved using handkerchiefs throughout his entire life. And my mom always said they were gross because she didn't want them washed in with our laundry. My mother was a little feisty Italian woman. And she said, I don't want your snot in our laundry. You know? I've got to say I'm with her. Yes. So you would wash them separately after, you know. So she never had anything to do with those handkerchiefs. During his funeral, when somebody was speaking at the, at the church, I was sitting in the front with my mom and my partner, and I watched my dad come down off the pulpit and come over to me. And my mother was crying in her Kleenex and it was falling apart. And my dad said, he leaned over and he said, Rob, tell your mom to use my handkerchief. And I just gulped as I'm doing now. And he said it again. And I looked at my mother and I looked at my dad standing there in spirit. And he said, Rob, tell your mother to use my handkerchief. And I thought, she's never touched this handkerchief 53 years of marriage. So I looked at mom and I told her and her eyes just bulged out and her mouth opened. And she said, how do you know that I have your father's handkerchief in my purse? And that was it. So I told her, I said, you know, dad's right here. And he told me and she pulled his handkerchief out and she was a mess. She was in more of a mess. And so was I. (laughs) And my brothers who were standing behind us heard, overheard what we were saying, and they were shocked. So my dad helped me prove to my mother and my brothers that he was at his own church with a handkerchief. Oh, that is so sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Every funeral I go to, the loved one is there. They don't want to miss a party. No. (laughs) Have you ever had someone at a funeral or a wake? ask you, make a request or a crazy request or... No, but I have not, but it sounds like you have. Yeah, my mother. What is your friend? When my mom passed in 2013, my mom always had makeup on and she always tried to look her best. And even till the day she passed when she was 85, she was always worried about her hair and her makeup. So during her wait, I I was standing over near her at the casket. And uh, while I was standing there, my mother said to me, you need to do me a favor. And I looked around and I thought, what? <laughs> and she said, can you get an eyebrow pencil and darken my eyebrows? Because they're not looking right. And I just laughed out loud for a minute. So my partner came up to me and he said, uh-oh, what did your mother want? And I told him and he laughed and he said, you're not touching her. <laughs> so I had to say, mom, sorry, it is what it is. You know, nobody's oh, going to see you after this. Oh my God. Yeah. So that was my mom. That is great. Oh, thank goodness. Well, I I have to say that is one for the books. I have not heard anything like that. That is wonderful. (laughs) You certainly have a gift, sir, and a very good, strong gift. And it sounds like it serves you well. Now, what about the people that you work with, these other scientists, these meteorologists? Do they know what you do? No, I don't talk about it at work. Yeah, I keep my work life and my outside life separate. And it all works for the better. I think. Probably so. Yeah. But do they know that you are a Rob Gutro author? I don't think they care, really. <laughs> so, you know, nobody investigates the people they work with unless they're being newly hired, I guess. So, and I've been where I am for a long, long time. Right. So. Meteorologist, are you a TV weatherman? No, I have a face for radio. No, I've never really been on TV. I did radio and I do background stuff. So background stuff. Yeah. Because I think you've got the personality and you've got the presence to do. Oh, so kind. Tell it like I see it, Rob. Oh, thank you. So do you think when you retire, if you retire, that you'll go and go into this full time? So it's funny you mention that because retirement is one year, six months and like six days away. Who's counting? But who's counting? <laughs> so yes, the answer is uh, yes. I'll be spending more time, certainly. I actually have six books lined up for the next six years. 
Do you really? What are these books about? So I'm right now I'm working on, I think I'm on chapter six of Ghosts of Ireland and Scotland on the medium association. Oh, wow. And I have, uh, I have another case files and inspired ghost tracking books, another pets book. There's a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, there's literally no end in sight. That's true. And one book we didn't talk about that was really, really near and dear to my heart is called Kindred Spirits. You can probably see the cover up there. Whatever. I yeah, <laughs> gorgeous cover. Those men are beautiful. Yeah, I wish that I looked like them. So I came up with that idea. That book is all based on a, it's a crazy story. When I met my now spouse with him came this other guy who was his late partner, his partner who passed away in 1996. And he has been with us. I always joke that there's three people in our relationship. <laughs> Got a thruple. Right. That's right. But he's been there for us in and helped us and proven he's helped us in quite a few ways. He's also helped me solve the mystery behind his death. So I've been able to bring peace to his dad after 15 years. They thought it was a suicide. It was not. And he helped me prove that. And so that's in the book. He's spirit. Well, no, did you get justice? It was an accident. Oh, an accident. Okay, so it was not a murder. No, it was not a murder. Oh, okay. So he also sent a, a lookalike to save us when we were lost in England. And this is when GPSs were a separate thing. And the GPS died. We were lost in a forested area because it took us in a, a remote area for some reason. And we couldn't figure out, you know, you're in a different country. You don't know where you're going. You follow your GPS. <laughs> the sun was setting. The one guy that showed up when I asked for help in spirit, looked exactly like this guy would have looked had he lived to be in his 50s. And both my husband and I freaked out. As you would. Yeah. So that story's in there too. And I'm writing Kindred Spirits too, because he's been, you know, he's still talks to me all the time. Yeah. He just showed up last week. <laughs> oh so what does your husband think of this? At first he was kind of freaked out by it, but he's, Really happy that he's right, that Ed is around. Ed is in the spirit's name. Although I will tell you that if you think about it this way, if your partner's late partner right. keeps talking to you, it is kind of uncomfortable for the, you know, for the spouse. And there are some things that he has told me that are not in the book, but <laughs> that I've gone to, you know, I've gone to my husband and said, oh, by the way, you know, it told me this and that when, you know, about your habits and when you're living together. And he's like, I don't like you talking to him all the time. <laughs> See that. Yeah. Because everything he's told me is true. So. Of course. So it's kind of funny. So kindred spirits, it's kind of fun, but it also teaches you, the reader, how spirits will communicate to us in many different ways. So. Oh, absolutely. They can communicate in so many different ways. Signs, symbols, synchronicities, sending people uh, music. Lookalikes. Wow, that was interesting. Yeah. Do you think that there was a real person showing up in the forest? Oh, it was. Yeah. He worked for the Postal Service. He was on a the Royal Mail. He was doing his last route of the day the, as the sun was setting. In the forest? There were three houses in the forest. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And he said he had one more to go to. And he said we were very lucky. Yes, very lucky. And so, of course, he had an Irish accent. And he well, it was in England, so he had an English accent. Yeah. Oh, oh, that is fascinating. Let me just ask you real briefly, because angels are near and dear to my heart, as well as dead people, of course. Have you ever communicated with angels? I have not. I have. Well, I may have, but they, Point. they may have not come out as angels. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I've talked to spirit guides. There are others that are full of light and love, and they may have been angels, but they reveal themselves as in a human form. So I don't know. Fair, fair, fair enough. Okay. Um, What do you think is one of your favorite experiences? Oh, gosh, there's a ton of them. I think one of my favorite experiences that was totally unexpected was when I was in England, and I went into this castle named Heaver Castle. So my partner is a very, an avid fan of Henry VIII and all of that, yeah. that period, the Tudor period. And that's his thing. You know, my thing's ghosts and superheroes and dogs. So 
he always reads about all that. And when we went to England, he worked with a travel agent to map out different places from the Tudor dynasty that he wanted to see. One was Hever Castle. Now, I don't know anything about anything when it comes to the Tudor period or Hever Castle or anything. So I just, you know, I'm just one of those guys that go, okay, it's a vacation. I'll take it. I'll go. It's a castle. Right. So when we went into Hever Castle and we walked through the front door, there was a man, a ghost, standing behind me. And he said to me, hello, my name is George. And I looked and I, I didn't see anybody. And I said to my husband, I'm like, there's, I think there's a ghost here. His name is George. I said, does that mean anything to you? And he looked at me and he says, of course, like I should know. This is Heber Castle. This is the home of the Bolin family. George Bolin was Anne Bolin's brother, who was also wrongly executed by Henry VIII. I thought, oh my gosh, he did, because George had told me he lived here. And I thought, okay, well, that was a crazy experience because he went on, George went on to accompany us in every room of the castle and point out things that happened in the different rooms. Also told me a year that he was most proud of his sister. And I had to go home and look it up. And I looked it up and it turned out that year that he gave me was the year that Anne Boleyn received her first royal title. Mm. He was most proud of her on that year. And I confirmed many of these things. So we had a ghostly tour guide of Heber Castle. Tour guide. That is the best. Yeah. Crazy. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that is awesome. Have you had any scary experiences? There have been some ghosts that, uh, well, they all maintain their personality. So if they're kind of gruff in life, they're gruff in death. And there have been some that have been very difficult. There was one in Scotland that's going to appear in my book, my upcoming book, that actually dwell in the back of Greyfriar's Bobby, Greyfriar Bobby's cemetery. Really? He was a very awful, awful man. And he was so awful that I didn't want to even go near where he was dwelling. He was dwelling in an enclosed, like, crypt area because he used to go there in his life to sit and think about things. And that's where he chose to haunt. And, and he was just a nasty man. And I thought, you know, okay, you can stay there. Stay there. That's the only one that comes to mind, but there are a lot of other ones that were just kind of gruff. Oh, one did say on an EVP that he said in, it was Cocky's Tavern, Maryland. After I left that investigation, the manager sent me the EVP and it said, kill Rob. Oh, that's nice. I know. That was really comforting. And I said, well, thanks for telling me while I was there. Oh, that's nice. So, so yeah. So there are a couple of bad ones. There can be some bad actors. I've had, not in QHHT, but I do other forms of hypnosis as well, and take care of negative attachments. Like, it's just ghosts that will follow somebody around, and they've threatened me, and they said, oh, you're next. I got her, I'll get you next. I'm like, go for it. You have no body, so you can't do anything to me. Mm -hmm. So they can try to scare us. It's more like my dad used to say, make me hurt myself because I'm scared, but they can't hurt me, right? can't do anything to you. So it sounds like you've got some wonderful books coming up in the pike. I would love, love, love to have you back to talk about them. Would you consider coming back on? Oh, gosh, absolutely. It's been a real pleasure. Oh, it's been so fun. Is there anything that you think that is important for our audience to know that we haven't talked about? A couple of quick things, especially around pets, because I'm a dog dad. Number one is that when we make that decision, our pets usually are very thankful that we recognize that it's their time to go and appreciative that we have learned the lesson of unconditional love that they were here to teach us because that's what it is. It's unconditional love. Yeah. Number two, that when they cross, usually there's either pets that have pets that have gone before them or people in spirit that are waiting for them. So no need to worry about that either. They are going to be well taken care of. Number three, dreams are the easiest way for spirits to communicate with us. So ask your pet or person to come into your dreams and understand that grief blocks messages. So it may take a little while before you get the first message from them. But usually spirits are very active right after they pass so that they can give us the insurance that they're fine. Yeah. They know they're fine, but you know, we need it. <laughs> Don't worry about me. I made it. I'm okay. So those really are the top three things that I would like to share with everybody. No, those are very important messages. Very important because those are the top questions that they ask us. Like, did my loved one make it okay? Do they feel like I gave up? Does my pet feel like I gave up on him? Right. And I want them to know how much I appreciate 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, they absolutely feel the love and they're very thankful for the time that we have with them. And by the way, for those who have adopted other pets that have had other homes, they will most likely, especially from abusive homes, they will not connect to the abusers. That's what I've found. They will only connect to the pet parents that gave them love. Because love is what connects us on the other side. So true. And so many of us have adopted pets that were relinquished or taken out of homes or had difficult backgrounds. Mm-hmm. That yeah. is important. Maybe we do another episode just on pets who have been rehomed or something. I don't know. It's important. And so your website has so much information on it, your blog, all of your books, how to contact you, just tons and tons of information, robgutro.com. Or Pet Spirits, for people who can't spell my last name, <laughs> petspirits.com. I know. I was going to mention that because I got both of them, but they seem to go to the same place. So I'll They put- do, yeah. <laughs> That's because everybody likes to put either an H or a W in my name, and there is no H or W in my name. Yeah, it's kind of tricky. So um, we'll put those links, both of them, in the show notes. And I can't wait to have you back on again because I love talking about this stuff. Oh, thank you. It's been such a pleasure talking with you today. You've really made my day. Oh, back at you, Rob. (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, till next time. Radiate Wellness is an international community of holistic and alternative healers dedicated to helping you create spiritual, energetic, and physical well-being. To learn more about our practitioners, services, classes, and events, or to schedule an appointment, visit us at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. I'm Liz Winter and I have been a medium and a spiritual development teacher for over 30 years. On my podcast, All Aboard the Medium Ship, I want to share the message with you that there is a wealth of love and comfort available to you from the spirit world. On my podcast, you can experience this comfort and peace for yourself through gentle guided meditations and helpful messages. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you never miss an episode. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network.